Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. We have something old for you today and something new. First, the new. We're going to have a look at a movie called American Honey, and we're going to meet the stars of that movie, Sasha Lane, who you've probably never heard of unless you know a little bit about American Honey already, and Wiley Keough, who you may know as the star of The Girlfriend Experience. She's been in a number of other movies and television shows. You saw her in Magic Mike. You saw her in Mad Max Fury Road. You may also know her as the granddaughter of Elvis Presley, but after seeing her as Crystal, the leader of a traveling band of door-to-door -door magazine sellers who pick up new recruits along the way as they travel through the American Midwest and American Honey, you will know that she's more than just Elvis Presley's granddaughter. She can really act. So we'll get to that in just a sec. A little bit later on in the show that we're digging deep into the vault, it is Halloween, or almost Halloween. It's certainly getting dark earlier, so it's the perfect time of year to sit at home and watch horror movies. And there's one from a few years ago that I absolutely love that doesn't get enough recognition, I don't think, for being as innovative and as cool as it actually was. It's called Cabin in the Woods. Now, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, uh, turn this off right now. Find it, stream it, watch it, borrow a friend's DVD, do something to get your hands on this movie. It is a movie about a group of college kids who go to a remote cabin, a jock, uh, there's I think a scholarship jock, a stoner, some hot girls, one brainiac, and one party girl. And then there's a hillbilly type, mysterious incantations and lines like, no matter what, we have to stay together. It all sounds really familiar, like a thousand teen chillers that we've all seen before. But add in a secret government agency, some ancient evil life forms, and other surprises, and this will be a spoiler-free zone, and you have the best mashup of horror and humor since the Scream movies. All I can tell you about the plot is this. Five college friends go to a cabin in the woods, then all hell breaks loose. All the conventions of the teen horror genre are here, but they are flipped upside down by the man who wrote it and directed it, a guy called Drew Goddard. This is a fantastic movie. Drew's a really engaging speaker. So let's get to Drew Goddard and we'll meet Sasha and Riley in just a few minutes. Tell me just a little bit, without giving anything away, because this the pleasure in this movie is the not knowing when you're going in, but I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of different elements drawn from a lot of other kinds of horror movies put in here and then subverted a little bit. So just tell me a little bit about coming with up with the idea and is the finished film, what sort of resemblance does it have to the initial idea that you and Joss Whedon had? Yeah, well, you know, we, this movie came from a place of love. We just love horror movies, and we sort of just set out to make a horror movie. That was, that was it. Yeah, we just, and, and, and then we started working on it, and we said, well, you know, we don't, we're not developing this for a studio. This is, we have freedom to do whatever we want. Let's do whatever we want. Let's actually put everything we've ever wanted to see in one movie into this movie, and that's what we did. And, and then luckily they let us make it, which was kind of, <laughs> much to our surprise. But, um... But yeah, it, it really just came about by us saying, you know, we love this experience, the experience of going to horror cinema, and let's just try to give the audience the best possible time. 
what do you remember as being the first time that you were really scared at the movies? Or, you know, what was yeah. the, the, the first thing that kind of set you off in this path? I remember mine, but I just wonder... Yeah, what's yours? I'm out of well, uh, Creature from the Black Lou, too. Uh -huh. There's two. Uh, I grew up in a really small town, and we had uh, a giant movie theater. The town that I grew up in was originally uh, set to become like a big port city, and it never happened. But they built an opera house that seemed 900 people that eventually turned into the movie theater that I went to, and lots of other. We had a, a dining room in a restaurant that seated 500 people, and there were only 1,500 people in the wow. <laughs> And so I went to the movies all the time. Okay. And uh, in this very opulent 900-seat theater, often being the only person in them. And I remember, uh, like on a Saturday, I probably sat through three movies and I remember one was uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon which scared the shit out of me uh -huh. and the uh, Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean and I'm, okay. I'm pretty sure they were on the same day and I remember someone <laughs> getting shot I don't think I've seen it since someone got shot with a shotgun in the middle, you know, sort of in the stomach range, and the camera pans down from his face and shoots the rest of the scene through the, the hole, hole in his stomach. <laughs> and that's what I remember is the first time going, oh man, that's really something. An alarm going off, you know? It sounds like it's, it's not ruining your thing, I bet. And we're, we're back. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, for you, what was your memory of that kind of thing? Because that yeah. made a huge impression. Well, I was a very scared child. I was, I was the eldest child, and I think I felt that responsibility because my younger brother loved horror movies way, way before I did. He was, he could watch anything. And we're, I mean, we're talking like age six and seven, like wow. he was watching. And I remember he put on Sleepaway Camp. And I, yeah, which is not a very good movie. Uh, but, and I, to be fair, actually, I don't remember because I've never been able to watch it again since because it scared me so bad. <laughs> so I might be misremembering this, right. but I remember the first scene of Sleepaway Camp being something along the lines of two kids are on a boat with their father, and it's a very sort of realistic depiction of the father having an accident and dying. Right. And it was just sort of horrific. And it was my first time, you know, as a seven year old, being like, oh my God, my dad could absolutely traumatized me. I mean, just traumatized me so bad. I was so scared. Uh, and then the movie just gets crazier and crazier. That, I mean, Sleepaway Camp ends with a... That was the crying game before the crying game. That was the big reveal in Sleepaway Camp. And so it was definitely like the thing, the thing a seven-year-old should not be witnessing. Uh, and so I was... I, that one, I remember I had to sleep in the hall as a kid, like outside my parents' room for like months because I was so scared by that. And so maybe, you know, as I got older, I mean, I think sort of my imagination was so, I had such an overactive imagination. I, I, it took me a while to sort of understand that, oh, movies aren't real, right. you know? Uh, and so th it wasn't until sort of my teenage years that I really started saying, understanding like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Like, this is fun. This is escapism. Like, there is a joy in being terrified. And, and you were born in the sort of mid-70s, right? Exactly. So you would have come of age, you know, around the time Nightmare on Elm Street, yep. all, the, all the, that wave of Jason and Freddy and all that stuff, which were, I'm older than you. And, and uh, so the I, I kind of grew up when they still played uh, like the original Frankenstein on television all right. the time. And those, when I think of horror movies, that's where my mind, that's my default. Right. And, and because that's the stuff, my images as a child. And I guess it's a little different for you. It is a little different for me. I mean, I certainly went back, you know, I, I studied horror a lot in college. You know, we certainly go through and see where it came about. Yeah. And, but, we, but you're right. When someone asks me, you know, what do you think of horror film? The first thing that pops in my head is, is you know, like exactly, Freddy or, or uh, you know, anything John Carpenter did. You know, like, that's the first thing in my head that my head goes to because that's sort of where I was hardwired. Right, yeah. right, right. And so all those kind of images, I guess, and, and, and years of watching those movies just sort of 
rolling around in there because there are so many influences here. And I mean, I think one of the things that makes this movie work so well, and there's no spoiler here, is that all the conventions are there. Right. But they're subverted just a little bit every each way or each moment along the way. Um, you've got the jock, but he's also a brainiac, you know. So you've got the the, the guy that smokes dope, but he's got this crazy bong that you know sort of takes you out. So you subvert the 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 sort of conventions of the genre all the way along. I guess that was the the idea. Yeah, I mean, or did I, that just sort of happen? It sort of just happened. I mean, it certainly it is in the DNA of this right. movie. There is a little bit of. You know, from the structure of there's more to it than just right. five kids going to the woods. But it's not like we set out to really unravel everything. Right. We, we love this stuff. And it was more, much more about let's do this. And then the questions that rises, let's have the characters ask the questions. Right. Let's actually make it part of the fabric of the movie rather than, uh, rather than let it, you know, just sit there. So it just sort of it was a very organic process. Are film good geeks like me? reading more into it than you might have actually thought? No, not at all. No. I mean, we worked really hard on this movie. We definitely packed it in, but we, it wasn't it wasn't where we started, right. if that makes sense. You know, right. we wanted to, we started from a very simple place and ballooned outward from there. Yeah. 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 It was interesting, uh, your first directorial job, and last night you were saying, you know, uh, all the screens that are in this master control, that's all I'll say about it, uh, but normally you would have them green screened and then you could time the action happening in master control to the stuff on the screen. Well, you didn't have that luxury right. in this. So tell me, I guess the question is, tell me about the complications of creating something like this because it's a complicated movie. Yeah. On the surface, I guess maybe it's a little simple-ish, but it's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. There's there's special effects at the yin yang. There's people. There's timing. There's issues. Multiple that, genres. Yeah, maybe you know next you know for your first movie you would think <laughs> two people in a room right. doing a Bergman thing, just talking for a while might be an easier way to start. We would definitely joke about that at days. I'm like, just please give me two characters in a room talking. <laughs> but you know, I read a great interview with Danny Boyle right before I started shooting, and he said in the interview, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of. There's nothing like your first movie right. because you, your naivete will will push you to try things that you will never try again, right. Right. and that really rang true with me. I was like, oh, I, I understand that because and there's so much in Cabin that we did just because I didn't know better. Like if I had right. known what that would do to our schedule, or if I right. knew and known that practically that was going to be very difficult, I would have, I would have just cut it or you know let, allowed people to talk me out of it or understood exactly right. but because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I wouldn't take no for an answer, and, right. I, and 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 there's something that's that's very sort of energizing about about not knowing <laughs> and leaping without and just right. saying you know let's figure it out because by and large I find the crew the crew responds to that if they if it's genuine in you right you know? well it starts from the top down right it's right. the enthusiasm. Uh, you know that that you display for whatever it infects the whole cast. Absolutely. And I also think there's something to be said for not having 150 million dollars to make a movie. Absolutely. Terry Gilliam told me one time. He said in uh, Life of Brian, initially wanted to have King Arthur and all his men come over the hill on horseback. Right. But they only had a million bucks for the whole movie. They couldn't <laughs> afford that. So he said, put them on you know broomsticks. <laughs> now it's the scene that everybody remembers. That's right. But if it had shot it the way he wanted to, no one would remember it. It would have been a nothing scene. And he told me, he said, if I'd ever had a lot of money, he said, I would have been a shitty filmmaker. It's really true. And, and we also knew because this movie does take such chances, yeah. they weren't going to give us a big budget. We, you know, The deal we made, we said, look, 
you got to trust us. And our, our job is to keep this cost low. We, right. You're not going to give us a lot of money. We're, we, we're, we get that. Yeah. We're not going to come back asking you for more. But because of that, let us do what we want. And it really helped. And I, I feel like horror movies do not benefit from high budgets. I, I, don't, I can't think of a, a horror movie that had a huge budget that worked. I mean, I don't know what the budget is on Alien. That might be the closest one. Yeah, but, but by today's standards. I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was pretty cheap. Because you want to feel the rough edges. You want to yeah. feel the sort of fabric of, of the movie. The higher the budget goes, it gets too slick, and then suddenly I'm pulled out of it. You well, want to feel that. Think about uh, Van Helsing. Right, exactly. Think about exactly. Uh, those Underworld movies. Think about, that's you right. know, I mean, it goes on. And I mean, werewolf, you look at, the, you the look the at, Del Toro werewolf. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right, yeah. It, it just it, There's something that's not scary about it, but then you look at something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre with no money, yeah. you know, and, and, and you're like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen, you know? I'm talking about the old Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. there, there's a perfect example of what happens when you add money. Totally, yeah. When you have Michael Bay pulling the strings. That's exactly right. Well, it's funny. I think also the, the movie benefits from having um, mostly a cast of unknowns. Certainly, the kids that are going to the to the cabin are unknowns. The the supporting actors, right? Uh, which we're not going to say why they're there, but the, sure. the supporting actors, you know, some of them, but uh, you know them all uh, actually. But uh, the the people going to the cottage are new faces, and I love that in a horror movie yeah. because it means anyone can go at any time. Now there are there are conventions which are talked about in the movie correct but you never know that's right that was very important to us we wanted to say like you know it, that, that no one was safe yeah. in this movie there you you don't know where this movie is going that yeah. was something that we wanted to sort of keep coming back to it's like if sometimes with movies just based on the cast billing alone right. you can guess the order yeah, you yeah. can guess who's going to live and who's yeah. not and we, we didn't want that we wanted it to feel like you don't know who's going to get it next well that's why you know um Tom Cruise movies and Will Smith movies, and I know that there are Harrison Ford movies probably, and more, uh, don't work for me particularly well in terms of having an element of danger to them. Right. Because you know that they are always the heroic character, and that by the end of the movie, they're still going to be left standing. Right. And so it takes you, uh, it, it takes some of the fun, some of the guesswork out of it. That's right. And I, you know, I think certainly. Sometimes that's comforting. Yeah, you know, like sometimes yeah, that's what you're yeah. looking for. Yeah, you want, yeah. oh, good, this guy's going to save the day. That's that's going to make me feel good. Yeah. But certainly in this movie, we wanted to to keep you on the edge of your seat. Well, the first big kill in this movie is uh, you don't really see all that much, but it's so grim. Yeah, <laughs> to me, it's so grim just in the method that the person is going to go in. And again, you know, that to me. Uh, harken back to the old horror movies that I was talking about because you don't see that much. You see, uh, like Hitchcock said, you show them the bomb under the table and then you just wait and you let people get uncomfortable that way. Well, you, you show them the manner in which that person's going to die. You don't really show the way they're going to go, right. but it's horrible when you but think about it. But it's a horrible it. way. Yeah, no, that, it is finding that balance. Yeah. And it's certainly in our movie because we... Uh, shift tones so much or, yeah. or you know we wanted to say like no this is serious yeah. and we find the best way to sort of do that is just just a, put put the kernels of the audience's mind and then let them let them you know put it all together but see i did think that it hits because it is a scary movie right. I, I noticed it again last night i think more than the first time right through, right because i was seeing it with more people who were like you know 
women who were like in little balls, you know, <laughs> That's good to hear. which is yeah, cool, right? Yeah. But um, but I love the Marty character because there's a scene uh, where he's in close proximity to a bad person. Again, it's hard to right. talk about it, but but he's still saying funny stuff. But right. the scene is really tense. Because you don't know what's going to happen to this because it, it follows along the heels of something horrible. Right, you know and, that there's real danger here that's happening. And yet he's breaking the tension somehow. So it's a hard balance to get, I guess. Yeah. But it really works when you nail it. And that scene really nails oh, it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that was definitely the challenge of this movie is, yeah. is finding that balance every time. Well, he's an interesting character because I just love how, you know, he's the total stoner dude who everyone's gone to school with. Everyone right. knew one or two or more of those people. But he's also really smart and really funny. And you, you get this idea that, ah, I don't know, maybe he's too smart for the room. And so he kind of, you know, he's he's the guy who, who thinks too much. So he gets high. So he sort of blunts that a little right. bit for him. Yeah, know? no, I mean, Joss always talks about, you know, Marty and the sort of Shakespearean fool yeah. um, model where... You know, in, in Shakespeare, the fool is always the one saying the yeah. one thing everyone should listen to. Well, like no in, one... Twelfth, in Twelfth Night, you've got the fool exactly. that, that uh, is the, probably the smartest person. But on no stage. one listens to yeah. him because he's a fool. He's the fool. And, that, and that certainly Marty plays that role in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Where did you find him? I don't know that I've seen him before. Joss found him. He was on Joss's TV show Dollhouse. Right. Uh, and I don't know. I think they found him just on an open casting call. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, he's terrific. He, yeah, we... we, we, we we loved him. And uh, who plays the Harbinger? That guy, he's like, he's like Michael Berryman-like, but he's not, I, I don't know, but I've seen him in a ton of stuff, right? He's great. Yeah, his name's Tim Dizarn, yeah. and you've seen him in a lot of stuff, and he uh, he's wonderful. He, he we, When we auditioned that role, everyone uh, sort of came in and played it really big. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Got really crazy and over the top. And he just sort of came in and, and got the sort of, so much of this movie is about mixing the 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 operatic with the mundane. Right. Right. And he just got that balance of yeah. just like I'm going to do both, and uh, and he just nailed it. We knew it was the second we saw him. We said, "Oh, that's our guy." Right, that's our time, Drew. Thanks oh, so great. much. Oh, that's such a pleasure. Yeah, really I, fun, I could talk. Thanks. I could talk for hours with you. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> That's just a little bit of ego stroking around the old House of Krauss. I left that last line in because, of course, we could have gone on and talked for a lot longer than we did because he's really engaging and I really love Cabin in the Woods. Drop whatever you're doing right now and go out and find a copy of this movie somewhere. Since we recorded that conversation in probably 2012, something like that, uh, Drew Goddard has been nominated for an Academy Award for writing The Martian. He's done all sorts of stuff. He wrote Buffy and the Vampire slayer and all kinds of things so keep your eye open for his name in the credits of almost anything because you're going to get something a little different and very cool Wiley Keough and Sasha Lane are the stars of American Honey now your enjoyment of American Honey will be directly linked to your definition of what a movie is before buying a ticket uh, if you're looking for story and hardcore narrative, then perhaps you should look elsewhere. This movie is a rambling two hour and 40 minute faux kind of cinema verity look at this group of magazine sellers that is all journey and no destination. But what makes it interesting, what keeps it compelling, are a handful of performances here. Wiley Keough is Crystal. She is kind of the madam. She is uh, a young woman who runs all these uh, kids and forces them to make money 
forces them to bring out the best, and maybe sometimes the worst in themselves, to sell these magazines. Shia LaBeouf, pretty good in this movie. This is the kind of thing I think that Shia LaBeouf really sinks his teeth into rather than the bigger style movies that we've sort of associated with him in in the last few years. And then there's newcomer Sasha Lane. She's called Star in the film, and she's completely charismatic. I have to see her in something else just to confirm that she can act and that she can hold a movie at its center, but I'll tell you, she's charismatic and she is at the very core of this movie, both physically and emotionally. I sat down with Riley and Sasha Lane uh, at the most recent Toronto International Film Festival. Here's that interview. It's an unusual kind of movie in that for the viewer, I wasn't sure whether uh, when you were cast, if you were given a script or if you were given uh, an outline of what you wanted to achieve in every scene and there was improv. I couldn't tell because it felt so natural to me. It felt like everything that each of you and the rest mm -hmm. of the cast were doing, you were thinking of for the first time while you did it. Great. Yeah. And, which is <laughs> yeah. the point, right? Yeah. That's the point, I suppose. But but uh, tell me what form it was when you first received the script. We got sides. So the day before, the day of, and um, a it depends on what scenes, because like the ones between me and Crystal were more scripted and more this is the words, this is the lines. Right. Some of the scenes where I'm in the van with the kids and stuff like that, it's more like, I need you to mention that, right. but do what you do. So you to know? get from point A to point B yeah. somehow. And, yeah. yeah, somehow, but kind of go with it. And a lot of poor editing, you know, there was never the same take because it was more of, how are you feeling today? Because yeah. today is what this scene is, and that's what we're doing. Yeah, and it's kind of go with it, fill it out a little bit, switch it up. Yeah. When you watch the film now, mm -hmm. and you see a scene like that, perhaps in, in the van, can you say like, "Man, that was three hours in that van," and they've they've condensed it down to yeah two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> Sorry, she's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's just disgusting. <laughs> and, and Riley, for you, so your bits were a bit more scripted. Is that yeah. what I can take away from that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck anyone else was doing. <laughs> yeah. so oh, I is that right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I wasn't on set for anything except my own stuff. So no one saw anything. No, no one knew, knew what the movie was about yeah. until we watched it. Like I literally had no idea and, and, what it was about. And as an actor, then yeah. What does that do to your process? How how does it affect the way that you're working? Because I don't know. I know Woody Allen movies. If you're in a scene, you only get like the bit that you're in. You don't see the rest of it, mm -hmm. and people seem to do just fine with it. Mm -hmm. But did you ever wonder, or did you ever imagine? Yeah, I mean, it does all the right things. It makes you able to do anything. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you don't want to get into the habit of just doing things that are really structured and safe and hit your mark and look that way, yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. that is, it's, it, you have nothing, so you have to actually do something and, and you're not like going off of a whole script and a whole character arc and knowing all of these blah, blah, blah things, whatever. So you're just like, you're just existing as this person and you just are forced to you know, just exist as this person and not... And it becomes act. more than a technical exercise at that point, you know, which so often I think film acting is. Got to hit the light, got to hit the mark. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. 
and that's just fucking annoying, yeah. you know, yeah. excuse my French, but it, it after a while of it, so it was a nice break, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And there's a way of not overthinking yeah. what was going to happen. You don't, you you don't get a was... chance to think yeah. about anything right. yeah. at all, so, yeah. And how long were you both out there? Because it feels like expansive. It feels Forever. like you may have been... But it was, it, was, it was like, yeah, it was like two months really? that we were actually filming, but yeah, it was... Felt like a really long time and and you're there the entire time Rodney did you come and go no or? I came um, I came in for a fitting while they'd started shooting then I left and then I came back and then I was there yeah 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 when I, we started shooting mm-hmm. and what's going on this is your first experience with all of this yeah um what were you thinking i mean what what was going through your head because as i was watching this movie i was thinking about you and 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 thinking about how mind-blowing it must be to be in this situation you're in every frame of the film probably or you know (laughs) almost and and it's free form perhaps it wasn't you know immediately evident what it was going to be Mm -hmm. um what were you thinking as as it was happening um, I was just kind of, a lot of it was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> what are we doing? And also, the things that Andrea would just say, because like, we didn't know, I didn't know much about my character, I didn't know much what was happening, but she would be, she would say things to me like, Sasha, you are representing all these girls who do this, go through this, or you know this, so like, that's what we're putting in there. So I was very much just like aware of like, don't. Be scared. You are. You get to do this, and this is kind of, in a way, what you've always wanted to do. I was studying psychology and social work in college. Wow. So it's like this is an artistic way right. to do what I felt I wanted to do, fulfill my purpose. So I was just kind of excited and very much nervous because I never have done it before, yeah. and people are going to be watching it. And I, I knew it was a movie, but I also was. It didn't really hit me until maybe I saw a trailer and was like, yeah. oh well. We've made something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're very... And also, once you're that type of experience that we went through, you're in this bubble. So I didn't even have really outside thoughts as far as life and anything else. It was kind of like, man, I'm in this scene and we're all... We're just hanging out right now. We're in this band. And, yeah, it's very... My mind was going miles a minute, but also very blank. Raleigh, I felt your character, if I had to think of it, was sort of like a madam. Almost. <laughs> is that did that thought cross your mind at all when you were doing this? <laughs> a madam? Ratchet. I don't know. I I, I felt um, like you know just a, of the of the command of the of the others that you had, and then some of the bizarro traditions, fight night, and you know all that yeah. sort of thing. I think Crystal was had been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So that's all she knew, and there's this world does exist and. It does, yeah. And um, so I think that's kind of, I think she, you know, grew up on crew, and so that, um, it's just, she knows the most, you know, more than all these kids, and also Jake too, but, so she, she's manipulative a bit, you know. And, but but it does exist. I didn't know this. I mean, because yeah. it, it felt to me, I, I there were times uh, like when you guys, you and Jake, go to uh, the the house with the teenage dance party mm-hmm. in the background. I thought I'm not sure that I would let 
just random people who knocked on my door into my house. Yeah. And and you know when I had kids there and when I, and and so I thought I wonder if this does actually happen. But. Yeah. It's in so many different ways. I feel like it could have happened to you and you don't even know it yeah. because the way that they sell themselves to whoever they're right. selling to and. I, there's like this whole like weird guilt thing with it or yeah I'm just it definitely does happen and that it's true I was even speaking to someone who's in my crew and was like went through all of that like really yeah so we ran just, into like, another mad crew in did the you? movie yeah we did yeah um in the movie there's the you see him like kind of shake hands with another crew for yeah no, totally. yeah, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah, it. yeah that was a real that was real that was real life yeah that was a real mad crew it's really interesting the idea that you've got a, the cinematic life that's happening that yeah. we're seeing that is intersecting with real life along the way, yeah. and yet just becoming part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, like it doesn't happen very often. I, I can't imagine what your next movie is going to feel like. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I remember there's been times that I would just go to Andrea and be like. I can't fucking tell what the difference is between what my life in this movie. I can't tell the difference, and it was that was insane. And so yeah, and I just did a short, and I was kind of like, oh, I go back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> this is only this kind of dynamic. It was just because nothing is like this experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Riley, do you, do you? Uh, what did you take away? Uh, from this experience because it is a different way of working than perhaps you're used to working uh, either on television or in other movies. Did you learn anything that you can pluck away and say, yeah, this is the thing? I learned not to drink too much. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Listen, this is something that it took me a long time to figure out. So it's a good learn. It's a good lesson. I really think I learned it. Like legitimately. Yeah. I really learned like don't abuse alcohol. Hmm. I did. <laughs> and was that because you're just with, like, it seemed like a fairly tight crew. It must have been. You're on the road for a while, and you were just like, hey, let's, at, at night, let's go out. Yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we just hung out all day, all night, all, yeah, yeah. you know. That's what you do in those types of places, like, that are just so open and not a lot to do. You're just kind of like, well, I guess we're going to hang out and pop open this beer and just kind of chill here. That's what yeah. we did a lot of sitting in the parking lot yeah. and just kind of like, yeah. No, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of really profound things, but I don't really know how comfortable I am with talking about them. Yeah, because it's, it's a very personal kind mm-hmm. of one of those things that you learn in your mind necessarily mm-hmm. than being like, let me tell you what I learned. That was Sasha Lane and Riley Keough, stars of American Honey. That movie opens next week in theaters. So while you're waiting for that one to come out, why not rush out? and find Cabin in the Woods. Terrific movie by Drew Goddard. I wish he would make more movies because they are single-minded and unique and I want more. It's the perfect movie for this kind of time of year when Halloween's approaching and things take a little turn for the spooky. So get out of here. Go find Cabin in the Woods. You can't stick around the House of Krauss anymore. We're shutting down for the week, but be sure to come back next Monday. We put up a brand new show every single week, and you never know who's going to stop by for a visit. <laughs>